So Money Episode 180, Joe Sal Sihai. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for joining me. My goodness, this podcast in just the last couple of weeks has skyrocketed in downloads. And I, you know, it came at a good time for me, to be frank. I was wondering what was going on. I felt as though my downloads had really plateaued for about a month or so. And I was trying to figure out what I could do to to make it better, to improve it? Was I doing something wrong? And I think it's just one of those things where momentum takes time to build. And since January, you know, I've been working really hard. My team's been working really hard. Guests have been really uh, generous with their time and listeners have been really committed. And I think also what helped was that uh, there were a couple of stories that ran unbeknownst to me about the podcast or featuring the podcast. Like I think Yahoo ran a story that was an excerpt from my interview with Tony Robbins. Um, So these sort of gifts from the sky really uh, helped to give the podcast a nice push in uh, in the iTunes store. And we are rocking and rolling right now. I mean, we, we've almost doubled our subscribers, uh, or at least our downloads, as far as I can tell, in the last few weeks, in the last couple of weeks. So I'm very grateful for that. And really grateful for today's guest, Joe Saul Sihai is uh, is on the show today. He is one of the, I think, one of the more excellent uh, financial podcasters out there. I remember meeting him at FinCon 14 last year, and I'm happy to say that I'm going to be on a panel with him at FinCon this year, which is the Financial Bloggers Conference. It's like this geeky convention where I go and all the other financial bloggers out there that are really committed to this space go, and we hang out, and we have a couple drinks, we mingle, we network, we talk about what's working, what's not. Uh, it's getting really popular. And I'll be on a panel talking about podcasting. And Joe has been doing this for a couple of years now. He's the co-host of the popular show on iTunes called Stacking Benjamins. And he is also a contributor to the Money Tree Investing podcast. Now, in his former life as a financial advisor of 16 years, and the WXYZ television money man, uh, Joe helps families overcome debt, open and operate businesses, put kids through college, and retire successfully. And he's been featured in publications as diverse as newspapers like the LA Times, Chicago Sun-Times, and Baltimore Sun, and magazines like Bride, Child, and Best Life. And now he does media appearances, mostly in the hopes of finding someone else to pay his twin's college bill. (laughs) That's something he wrote, not me. Uh, So this is going to be a fun interview. Joe is really, really polished, I think, when it comes to... Uh, being in a, on a podcast and he's he really brings his a game and when many of the takeaways some of the takeaways from our from our conversation include the success of his podcast stacking benjamins and why it's got a winning formula uh, we also talk about his biggest financial mistake which involves which did involve the IRS yeah I, I couldn't believe this especially from you know someone who's a financial advisor 
formerly. And we also talk about the weekly money meetings that Joe and his wife have and what they discuss. A weekly meeting. I mean, that's, that's a little overkill, right? But actually it works for them. And there are a lot of great lessons there to be learned. So uh, without further ado, here is Joe Saul Sihai. Joe Salci, hi. Welcome to So Money. Stacking Benjamins on So Money. This is a great day. <laughs> it is a great day. This is going to be fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I bow to you, man, because you're like killing it in the podcast world. You were out there starting a financial podcast before anyone else uh, had the smarts to do it. And you just celebrated two years. Congratulations. Thanks. It's been a, It's you know what we're doing. We're just having fun and bringing our listeners with us. And I had the privilege of being on your show recently. I was answering some of your guest questions. Your guests are very smart, I must say, and um, <laughs> some of their questions were pretty challenging. But uh, what's the best part about podcasting? Now that you've done it for two years, where where so what's the best part about it? And then where do you see yourself going with this in the next two years? Wow, you know what? You know what I like? I like being able to answer people's questions without the heat of being a financial advisor anymore. Because what I found was that although I had a lot of great clients that I loved working with when I was an advisor, I had some people that just thought that by hiring me, that meant they no longer had the responsibility of understanding anything about their money, right? right. And so the, the frustrating thing was, it, it's kind of like Susie Orman has a great quote where she said, nobody's ever going to care about your money money more than you do. And I used to explain to people that my job was to be a very knowledgeable babysitter, not to be the person in charge of your money. So what I like about podcasting, we can talk about money, we can do it in a much lighter way. And then if people have questions, I can answer those questions. And I, uh, I'm, I get to go home and, and, and go to sleep instead of worrying about whether somebody actually implemented what I told them to right. do or not. Wait a minute. It was Susie Orman who said that because I've been running around saying that like I thought I came up with it. <laughs> well, well, you, well, you probably taught Susie. I, I mean, think, come on. I like that story. Yeah, I think <laughs> let's just let's just run with that, that I, I taught Susie um, some of these financial truisms. Yeah, uh, that was in her. It was in her first book. But but, but you were before the first book. <laughs> now, I understand also that your podcast is making money. That is awesome. Well, it is. It isn't making great money. But, you know, we've got great sponsors. And I've always thought that if you're going to do something, uh, um, you know, I, I mean, we do it because we love it. But I also want it to be what I do. So it has to it has to support me. And I was very thankful that two sponsors that I can I can gladly talk about decided they'd sponsor our show. What has been the most uh, surprising slash intriguing lesson you've learned from your guests. I mean, you were a financial advisor for 16 years, so you know a few things about money. Um, when would you say was an, uh, was a time on your show where you, you felt like you had a financial awakening of sorts? You know, I don't know if there, I'll tell you what, I learned more from my, from my guests who are not financial experts than from the from the financial experts. I mean, I loved it when we had Sheila Bear on, who was the FDIC chairperson when all that bad stuff went down with banks in 2007. And being a fly on the being able to be a fly on the wall by having her on the show was great. But, you know, Austin Cleon we had on recently and when he was talking about his book Steal Like an Artist and about how I've always railed against uh, side hustles because 
I always think that if I'm if I'm doing something professionally that I love, right, I've got two choices. I can either spend more time doing that and sharpen that saw and get better at it, or I can spend time trying to create some new saw. It's probably better, I think, to spend more time doing what you have focused most of your time on. So I've always said, you know, side hustles I don't like. Austin Kleon said something really interesting. He said, you know what? Your side hustle informs that main job. So he's an artist. And he talks about business, uh, but he likes to play guitar. And when he's in the middle of learning new chords or learning how to play guitar, an idea pops into his head just from this progression that he did. So your brain works in these mysterious ways. I thought that was really fascinating. I like side hustles, I will say. I think um, for that reason and also um, extra money goes a long way. Yeah, but I think you can make a lot of a lot extra. Like as an example, in, in in my job, you know, with the podcast and with the blog, I've got two choices. I can spend my time learning how to be a travel agent or having <laughs> garage sales, or I can spend more time fine tuning my show so that I find more listeners and they like the show better. Uh, so for me, I think yeah, I don't know. But you know what? I do agree with him though. When I'm out on a hike or I'm doing a run, uh, I'll be in the middle of that run, and all of a sudden, this great idea pops in my head that I never probably would have thought of if I were sitting at my computer. Right, right, definitely. Well, so it sounds like you're a man of many philosophies. I'm curious, what would you say is your favorite financial philosophy, money mantra? Ma'am, I'll tell you, my money mantra is... And, and I don't know how to how to express it. And I've been thinking about this ever since you asked me to be on the show, because that worries me. <laughs> but, but here's what it is. And, and this isn't a rip on on my frugal friends and frugal people that, that are on the show. But it kind of has to do with what we were just talking about, Farnoosh, which is that I can worry about saving $10 on a more efficient trip to the grocery store. Or maybe if I'm like some of my really frugal friends, saving $100 on a trip to the grocery store, or I can use that same time to make sure that I'm efficient in my financial plan and I'm bringing more money in the door. And I think if I spend an hour making my grocery store trip more efficient, that's probably time I could have spent better on bringing in more income. So I am very income focused. And then when I bring money in, making sure I have a good tax strategy, making sure my investments are appropriately allocated. Uh, does that mean I'm anti-budget? No, I, I love budgeting. I love tracking my money. I like mint that has that uh, little bing that goes off when I find out that I spent too much money at a restaurant. You know, it's in my face telling mm -hmm. me don't do that. That. So I like financial controls, but I like my brain focused on how do I make more abundance instead of, you know, dealing with scarcity. Yes. As uh, I think it was Ramit Sethi on my show, he said, uh, you know, there's, there's a limit to how much you can save. There's no limit to how much you can earn. Yeah. Amen. What he said, Farnoosh. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself saying that a lot because after doing so many of these episodes, um, you know, my listeners are getting a lot out of it. Imagine me. Yeah, Listen absolutely. <laughs> it, 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 isn't that really the funnest part? I mean, someone asked me recently, actually, it was our mutual friend, Laura Vanderkam asked me, she said, what do you, what do you like about podcasting? And it's that I, I get to ask all these questions that my listeners and I really want to know the answer to. I get to be a fly on the wall in a lot of discussions. Exactly. Especially when talking about money, because that is such a still a very culturally taboo topic. I think when we start to talk about money in a personal way, that is juicy stuff. Well, you were asking my friend Holly recently from Club Thrifty about, you know, about one bank account. 
And, and, I, and by the way, I'm running down the road as I'm listening to the episode and, and I'm thinking to myself exactly what, what you thought that, that for me, one bank account is, is far less relevant than awesome communication, right? Uh, great communication between spouses is so important. If you decide on one bank account, fine, good for you. But it, it, it it's funny because Holly and I have had this discussion back and forth a lot, which I love. Uh, but because like you said, I love these discussions about different philosophies on how to do things. Yeah, I, I find myself disagreeing sometimes with guests, but that's good. It's kind of like, it's, it's, it's great. It's supposed to be a conversation, you know, we're supposed to, we figure it out while we're, while we're chatting. Absolutely. What would you say is, is a really uh, vivid money memory of yours growing up as a child that shaped the way now as an adult you think about money and act with money? Well, it's funny. My dad taught me great work habits and the importance of getting along with people. My dad is a guy that when he retired, a lot of people came to his retirement party and and he really he really showed me the relationship between relationships and, and earning money and about, about, you know, there's two ways to make money. One is uh, screwing people over. And the other one is doing the Zieg Ziegler thing, where if I help a lot of people get what they want, I will get more of what I want. And so my, my early money memory, my positive early money memory is that my negative early money memory is that my dad and, and my mom, we never talked about money and we, they always spent a lot of money. And what's funny is cause we never really, I didn't think of us as poor. We were middle class. I never worried about money. And I've learned since then that my parents never really saved anything. So I lived growing up the rat race, which is where some of my early financial failures all came from was, um, was just, a, I, I didn't have a clue how to manage cash. Wow. Well, you know, later in the show, I ask about what's one thing you wish you had learned about money. Let's just get to it now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down memory lane even more. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I, I, I wish I had learned that because, because, uh, you know, my, my, my right at, here's, here's what happened to me. I went to college. So the first time ever I'm by myself, I'm at the Citadel, the military college of South Carolina. And I go into the student union, Mark Clark Hall. And here, Farnoosh is an American express table, right? Mm. Where they're signing up cadets for credit cards. Now, when you're a cadet, you don't have time to have a job. Uh, how I was going to pay that back, I have no idea. So part of me wonders, you know, the, 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 the ethical, whether that's ethical to be offering college freshman credit cards at a military academy, but we won't get into that. But of course I signed up and of course, as you know, I was accepted, right? So the next time we had leave, I took all my friends out to dinner. Um, I went to an expensive department store on the end of the mall and I bought a sweater. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. When do I need a sweater? Right. <laughs> and I'm wearing a uniform. I have no idea when I'm going to wear it. So within a hundred days, it takes about a hundred days when you don't pay your bill for your credit card to finally be uh, taken away. And my credit was completely ruined. So I wish my parents, although my, my parents spent a lot of time with me working on social skills and being able to uh, be a good worker in the workplace, I wish we would have had some open money discussions about the, the dangers of credit and about uh, balancing the budget because I got to college and I knew Zippo. That sounds like a failure to me. 
Oh, that was a big fat one. Yeah. So, I mean, this transitions us now to the so money failure, um, if there ever was one. But what would you say was like your kind of biggest financial misstep? What did you learn from that? Um, and yeah, take us there. And oh, you hear that banging in the background? That's my son, everybody. I am <laughs> podcasting from home today. And I've learned that there's no point in buying children toys. They just want to pay, play with pots and pans and saucepans. So I think yeah, and the and the stuff that the toys come in, right? Right, right. The the, to- the tissue paper, the boxes, right? So um, today's so money podcast episode brought to you by Evan Dusinger, um, <laughs> in the background, just making music with his with whatever he can find. So I hope oh, that's so not going to be too much of a distraction, but just I'm I'm bringing attention to it because otherwise people might be like, "What's going on at Barnusha's house?" Yeah. Sorry, we digress. So financial failure, Joe, what would you say is your number one financial misstep? So my first year as a financial advisor, I made a lot of money for a first year advisor. I made over $80,000. I had a great year, but I was a 1099 guy. And I knew, once again, this idea that, that, that I knew nothing about money. I knew absolutely nothing about taxes. Uh, it's funny because I'm a brand new financial advisor. That's a whole different show, by the way. I'm a financial advisor <laughs> and I know nothing about how taxes work. Uh, but we can talk about training programs at some of these places uh, uh, that are more about sales, you know, than about actually teaching people about money. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> what happened was I went to this tax guy that uh, was referred to me. The tax guy didn't tell me anything about how taxes work. He just said, you know, you owe about, uh, I think the number was 17 or $18,000. And I got angry. I didn't, I didn't have any money. I'd spent every dollar of that money paying off, paying off debt from old sins. So you know what I did? I decided that I would, that I'd bury it. You know, there was this old show, this old sitcom on a long time ago called Coach. And there's a situation on the show where somebody asks Coach what he would do in a situation. And Coach says, I would bury it with a shovel and I bury the shovel. And so that's what I decided to do with my taxes. I ended up not filing that year. I just left it alone. And then I didn't file the next year and I didn't file the next year. And I thought, so here I am. I'm not yet an advisor on TV. I'm not doing media stuff yet, but I am in deep doo-doo with the IRS. Uh, And finally, what I did that I should have done right away was I found a great accountant who had the tenacity to take the time to explain to me exactly the tax side of running a business, which is completely different than the marketing side and getting along with people that I talked about earlier. Um, and so we filed those, those back tax returns and I ended up owing the IRS just an absolute ton of money. And I put my head down and, and I paid that money off over the next several years. That dang coach. <laughs> I know. What was he thinking? What were you thinking? What, 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 from the tax person? The tax guy? Well, what were you thinking, Joe? I mean, come on. You know well, better. Well, I did. But at that time, it's kind of like a lot of my clients in the past felt, which is if you don't address it, maybe it'll go away. It'll just right? disappear. Yeah, absolutely. If I don't look at my credit card debt, maybe I don't have it. If I don't look at the fact that my investments aren't right, maybe they'll magically perform better. If I don't focus on the fact that retirement's coming someday, I have to put kids through college or whatever your goal is, that maybe I'll just show up and it'll all work. It never works that way. It never worked. Somebody told me when I was an advisor, they said, you know, it, going to the dentist because I can't stand going, but I always feel better as I'm leaving your office. 
because we would we would look at milestones toward your goal. We'd look at how things how things had worked that day. And and uh, I think that's what we all need to do. Stare that stare that bad stuff in the face. So, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's my big money failure. That's a big one. Well, OK, now I'm going to give you a chance to. Uh, to resurrect yourself <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and share a so money moment. You probably have many, but one that really you're proudest of and really captures your, your financial, I guess, awesomeness. Well, when I, when I built my business and I built it with good systems and I built it in a way that the people taking over would be able to take over it well, when I decided at 40 years old to sell my business and do something else that I was passionate about, that was my, that was my big, great, great moment. I sold it for a, for a very nice, for a very nice sum of money, uh, an amount of money that a lot of people could retire on. Um, and I was, I was, you know, that, that was where I nailed it. I, I figured out that my business was a big part of my quote retirement package. Uh, and I also knew that there were other mountains that I wanted to climb at 40 years old. So I, so I sold it for, 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 uh, a big number by focusing on systems and focusing on making sure it'd be easy for the person buying the business to be able to go in and take it over and transition into. So, uh, that was my big moment. So you had a boutique like financial advisory and then you sold that to. I was. Yeah. So, so, so the, <laughs> the, 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 the brand, the, the big firm that I work with is, is one a lot of people have heard of called Ameriprise Financial. And I owned my Ameriprise branch. Uh, a lot of Ameriprise advisors own their own company. So I own my own company, even though I was an Ameriprise financial advisor. Gotcha. Wow. Congratulations. Is that when you, about the time you started the podcast? No, actually it's funny because uh, my partner on the show, we call him OG because he's a working CFP, but he doesn't like the whole having to go through compliance to say everything that he wants to say about the state of the industry or what happens in financial planning meetings, you know, all this stuff, kind of like the magician Farnoosh, you know, the guy that used to wear the bag over his head and tell you all the magic tricks. Right. Uh, that's OG on our show. So, um, uh, he and I started, a blog together and it, it took us forever to start the podcast. We should have started the podcast immediately, but what were we thinking? Well, better late than never. Right, as right. I say, I mean, look at me. I started a year after you, two years after you did. And, uh, there's hopefully hope for me. Well, you're killing it. Well, yeah, it's a lot of work, man, but I like <laughs> I it. I don't know what you're talking about. It's super easy for us. <laughs> it's right? like snap your finger and you have a podcast. <laughs> right. Um, what's your number one financial habit, Joe? Yeah. You know what my number one financial habit is, Farnoosh? My what? number one financial habit is Cheryl and I have a family meeting every week. And so on Sunday afternoon, and we started that because I have twins. They're now in college. But when they were little, what happened was this. We, we put the kids down for their nap. And when they were napping, we would have a discussion about money. And it's really easy. It actually only ended up taking 15 or 20 minutes. And we got good at it. Um, and it's we would open bills together and we'd have two sets of eyes on the bills. We would open up any any investment statements that came in. Now it's changed a little bit because everything, you know, we don't get investment statements a lot of the bills we don't get. So we, we have a list of places that we look on online. We take the laptop and we just go through Sunday afternoon uh, and we we look at what, what bills we paid that week. We look at our mint uh, schedule. We look at, we use an app also called Prism, which is a cool bill pay app. Uh, so we look at that, what bills are coming up, what are our priorities coming up. 
Um, and then we dole out allowances to each other. And man, is that fun. It has become really, really fun. It's a great habitat because in a lot of families, I feel like one person knows exactly what's going on and the other person is in fantasy land, you know, and, and in our family, we would go back and forth and it created arguments. So early on in our marriage, we decided to have this weekly meeting and man, is that great stuff. So you would give each other allowance, like uh, allowances, or were they like, was it um, like just money that you could spend with and on anything, or what, how? What would you use that money for? No, it was <laughs> it was money that we spend on anything. So here's the deal: Cheryl, back in the day, the the, the old DVD days, uh, Cheryl would always buy these DVDs, and it would drive me crazy that she would buy DVDs because we'd watch it once, maybe twice, and then it would sit there. And I thought it was a big fat waste of money. On the other hand. I love music and I really, I'm a board game geek. I love board games. So I would come home at, you know, once a month with some board game and, and Cheryl, Cheryl would say, why do you need another board game? What's this all about? So in, instead of me getting angry about DVDs, which are important to her, uh, her getting angry about board games, we had a set amount of money that, you know what, that's, a, that, that's my money. That is, that is for whatever I want to spend it on. We also, we've changed a little bit. We take each other on dates with that money now. So nice. we use that, we use that money for date nights um, and we take turns treating each other. Um, and so that's, that's really fun. But initially it was made to get rid of the fights about things that are, because in any relationship, things are going to be important to you that aren't important to the people you're budgeting with. So why not have some money that is just, you know what, d d don't talk to me about this cash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's my secret, my secret stash. Absolutely. All right. Ready for some so money fill in the blanks? Oh, boy. Fill in the blanks. Oh, boy. <clears throat> don't worry. Don't worry. Stop sweating. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say 100 million bucks, I would, first thing I would do is? I would do absolutely nothing. Because anytime an event like that happens, it makes people really emotional. And you think of 50 crazy things that you would do, none of them that are going to be important a year from now. So I would do nothing for at least six months. And then the first thing I would do would be I would set up a series of investments that would help turn it into um, turn it into just a, a, a consistent residual income package. Isn't that geeky and kind of not what? <laughs> kind of like what? Would, but okay. Like take a hundred dollars of that and buy something, right? <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I get the latest <laughs> new board game. Sure. Well, you know, every time I ask this question and a guest tells me they would invest it or they wouldn't do anything, they would just put it back into investments. I'm like, well, at, well, at some point you're going to have to use this money, you know? You, you know what I'd invested in? I would invest it in, seriously, I would invest it in, 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 um, uh, more hands-on investments in my local community. Like as an example, we have a microbrewery here uh, that's in downtown Texarkana, Texas, the height of, of you know, Wall Street and investing, <laughs> uh, which, which just opened up and I saw their business plan and I absolutely hate it. I think it misses the mark. And some of my friends asked me if they should invest in it or not. Uh, luckily, the owner didn't ask me if I would, but a lot of the, the owner knew a lot of people around town that knew me and they know that I know about money. So they showed me the business plan and I, I thought it could have been such a success and it wasn't. So I do more hands-on type investing than I do now. So, and for me, that's fun, right? Opening up businesses and making them successful is fun. So I, I do it that way. 
I think I probably there's there's a lot of people who uh, hate on Disney. I would I probably go to Disney more often. Yeah, really? You don't <laughs> yeah, even you have know, small children anymore. No, you know I I'm one of those people that like Disney for adults, and I like it differently than a lot of people do. I like Disney because I like watching a brand that people are so passionate about that they'll stay for five days. They would way rather stay on property than off property, and and I I, I become. You know, and even the people that they pay, Farnoosh, as you know, they don't pay their people a ton of money, but their employees, generally speaking, are awesome. So how does a company create that culture? And I love immersing myself in it because it makes me think, how can I make people more passionate about stacking Benjamins? You know, how can I make them more passionate about the stuff that I'm doing? I go there and it just, I don't know, it it, it really charges me. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better, Joe, what is that? Uh, I spend money on, on, hmm, that makes my life easier or better. I didn't think about this one. What do I spend money? Oh, I know. We have this awesome woman, Grace, who comes and cleans our house every week, once a week. We, we, we have a housekeeper. And I have to tell you that, that uh, I have a coach. Man, can I have two? <laughs> yes. <laughs> At first you couldn't think of anything. Now you're like, can I, I have two? I know. Well, the thing I was going to say about Grace <laughs> is that my coach, I, I hired a business coach and she's somebody, Mary Lou is somebody who thinks differently about life than I do. And that's specifically why I hired her a long time ago is when I meet with her three times a month, she questions everything about the way that I view life and the lens that I'm looking through. And she asks a lot of why. And, uh, and, and I love that. And she also talks about energy drainers. These are these things in your life that are just sucking the life out of you. So how can you get rid of the energy drainers as fast as possible? And for me, it was, we get to the weekend, uh, Cheryl and I, we both are very busy people. We love what we do, but I get to Friday evening and I just want a super duper clean house to enjoy on the weekend. And so Friday afternoons, we have this woman, Grace, that comes in and does a wonderful job and we're fairly clean people already, but man, my house is awesome when I'm ready to relax and I don't have to do any of that work. And that, that is money, money well, well spent. I love the feeling of a clean apartment. It doesn't last very long after that in my house. <laughs> like literally 12 hours later is, you know, with a, with a one-year-old, it's just like I've given up. I've lowered my expectations at this point. Um, I have to give you a glimpse of the future because my kids, you know, they're now going to be juniors. My twins are now going to be juniors in college. The second they leave home, it's amazing when Grace comes the next time how clean my house still is. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man. So I just have to wait another 18 years or so before That's it. Yeah, yeah. I can have my house back. Gotcha. Patience. Um, uh, my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, maybe too much, but uh, it is your guilty pleasure and you wouldn't have, uh, have it any other way. What is it? Yeah. And I apologize because I've already alluded to this a lot. I, I spend money on board games. I love, <laughs> I, I love, I, I do not like, I, I like people that listen to our show know that I like listening to geek podcasts about video games and stuff. And, and, you know, I just don't have time for that. And I also don't like staring at a screen. Although I love going to movies, I prefer hanging out with a group of friends and, and being social and talking over some game like Ticket to Ride or Settlers of Catan or, 
one of these cool, just very interactive, fun games with friends or even cards. We started learning this Italian card game called Scopa recently, which is really, really fun. So I spend more money on things that where I can be social with a group of people, which would be which would be board games. I probably spend I'm going to say probably hmm, maybe two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars a year. on. Are there just, even that many board games out there? Like after you buy Scrabble and like. Per, so trivial the, pursuit, like what else is like, are there just, you know. Yeah, you're asking me to put my super nerd hat on for news, but but here's so there's this big guy, there's this big convention in Germany called Essenspiel, um, and and so it's just the game convention in in Essen, Germany, and over 900 game new game new board games a year come out at this convention, and they're a lot like Scrabble or Monopoly, like the games I play are are very much like Monopoly. Um, but, uh, but generally speaking, people are in it till the end. Like if you ever played Settlers of Catan, everybody's in it till the end. And there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of fun laughing and, and, uh, stuff, but, but yeah, about 900 a year. Wow. Oh my gosh. Do you collect like vintage ones too? Like, could you sell one of your board games for a lot of money on eBay? So this is funny. We had a charity. My son's on a 4,500 mile bike ride right now from Austin to Anchorage, Alaska to raise money for cancer research. And we had this big garage sale. Well, I took this game called Toscana, which is uh, a, a board game made in Sweden that board game geeks know is a really cool game. And I had it listed for, I think, $95. And I think I bought it for 40 But it's really a game that for the right person is in demand. Right. Uh, I don't love it, though. My mom, I went out to lunch. My mom, I, I come back in. She goes, oh, I got rid of that weird looking board game for like a guy offered me seven bucks. I went, oh, oh, oh no. no, no, hold, hold mom. on. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. But oh. uh, but, but but yeah, I have, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I'll buy a game for 40 or 50 dollars and get 300. But I don't buy them for that reason. I mean, I buy them, I buy them to play them. So generally we beat the heck out of them. Wow. You're, um, I don't know anyone like you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're not the first, you know what, when I went into financial planning, you know what my friend said, who, who told me that he thought I'd be a good financial advisor. He said, you know what, Joe, we don't normally hire people like you. That's a quote. We don't normally hire people like you, but I think you'd be good at this. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean that as a compliment. I think you're very unique and cool. So, uh, so you know, whatever you're doing, it's working. You got to come over. I know, right? Where do you live, by the way? <laughs> in in Texarkana, Texas, oh, right no. on the right on the Texas Arkansas border. You'll love it here. You're going to be at the you're, well. You and I are on a panel together at FinCon 15, right? We are. Yeah, I think the topic of the panel is how to monetize your podcast, and uh, I have nothing to contribute to that uh, <laughs> at this point. Um, although I have other things to, that I can probably talk about in terms of marketing and like you know building equity in your podcast, but um, sure, and you'll talk about it as brand, right? Also. Brand building, right. exactly. Which um, is funny because the guy on it with us, Jay David Stein, who I absolutely love, and mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in his podcast is fantastic, also. But he, uh, money for the rest of us, uh, you know, he does it a whole different way too. So that'll be a fun panel. Cool. All righty. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because I like to give to the Arthritis Foundation. Because of the fact that uh, that my mom has arthritis, 
And this is going to, this is funny. So I felt bad when I was a financial advisor at first because I wanted to get involved with charitable organizations, but I didn't feel strongly about anything. And that's what I felt horrible about, Farnoosh, was I, I felt strongly about nothing. And uh, and then somebody gave me the great advice. You know what? Get involved first. Just get involved and then you'll find your passion. And man, the Arthritis Foundation is a fantastic organization that needs a lot of help. I also locally, uh, I'm the president of a group called Partnership for the Pathway, and we build hiking and walking trails around town. Um, and I love green spaces and I love having safe ways for kids to get to school. So uh, those are my two organizations, ones that build walking and hiking trails and um, little community, you know, green spaces and the Arthritis Foundation. Wonderful. Wonderful. And last but not least, I'm so money because... Because I believe that it is about a conversation and I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that this becomes a bigger conversation. Money does not have to be this thing that nobody talks about. We can talk about it like car talk. You know, we can have a good time. Uh, we can talk about a lot of different topics. We don't have to worry about learning anything, just creating sound, uh, surround sound. That's where the fun is. Yes. Thank you. High five. Virtual high five. <laughs> um, I have found my kindred spirit in the podcast space and uh, I would love to have you back on. I know guests have been writing and wanting me to answer my own questions. So I think that would be fun if you would be my host for the day and I, I, I will be the guest. I'll grill you. All right. Even better. You familiar with those those like 60 minutes episodes where they <laughs> just go after people and you see them start to sweat? Yeah. And like you put the spotlight in my face. That's right. <laughs> why did you do that? Yeah. Right. Farnoosh, um, why are you a horrible person? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So great. We'll do that. Um, I, I think I have found my right, uh, my right partner for that. So thank you so much, Joe. And everyone check out Stacking Benjamins, top podcast. And it's, you're not daily though, but you're, you're, uh, once a week. Three times a week. Three so, times a week. My goodness. Yeah. So on Monday, we have uh, we have a roundtable segment. The whole thing is magazine style because I have ADD. So our podcast has ADD. Lots of different, you know, if you don't like a segment, just come back five minutes later and we'll have another one. Uh, so we start off with headlines. But on Mondays, those are different because we have a roundtable with some of the top writers uh, online, like Len Penzo, who won a Plutus Award for uh, uh, the best uh, single author financial blog, uh, Paula Pan who's fantastic at Afford Anything, uh, Greg McFarlane, who writes at Investopedia. We also have um, a woman from Inc. Magazine, Suzanne Lucas, who's better known as the evil HR lady, uh, <laughs> PK at uh, dqidj.net. Uh, so we have this we have this roundtable that's fun. We try to have a lot of personal finance bloggers on. On Wednesday, we have our big guest for the week. So people like we mentioned before, like Sheila Bear or David Bach or Gene Chatsky, who you know way more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, and then on Friday we have this little show called the Short Stack, which is an idea, one topic. It's an idea so good that Mom wanted us to give it a little special show all its own. And it's generally a person who you haven't heard of or a technology you haven't heard of. And we're talking about this great idea that they have that you might not have known about. Amazing, so much variety. Thank you so much, Joe. And I'll see you back here soon. Amen. Thank you. 
That is a wrap. If you'd like to follow Joe, head over to uh, Twitter. He's Average Joe Money on Twitter. And his website for his podcast is stackingbenjamins.com. Of course, all of this information over at somoneypodcast.com where you can find the transcript, the comments, and also a chance to submit your question. I've got a link there that's called Ask Farnoosh. Just click on that. And that's where you can submit your question to me about money or work or life. And every weekend I respond to listeners' questions. It's very straightforward and it's a lot of fun. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, that's the best way. Another great way to get in touch with me is to leave a review on iTunes and one person every week will be picked, is has been picked for a while now to receive a free 15-minute money session with me. So if you want to connect one-on-one, you know, uh, over Skype or over the phone, just go over to iTunes and leave a review for this show. Uh, chances are pretty good that you might get selected because I'm not getting like 100 reviews a week. I get maybe like two, three, four, five. So this is a pretty good chance of getting to connect with me one-on-one for a free 15-minute session. It can, we can talk about money, but we can also talk about whatever you want. Sometimes we just come, have a conversation about life. It's pretty fun. I like connecting with my listeners. So if this is interesting to you and you want to do it, please leave a review. It helps the show also uh, get some extra love in the iTunes store. So that is a wrap for today. Thanks so much to my guest, uh, Average Joe Money or Joe pa- Saul Cihai, uh, host of Stacking Benjamins. Thanks to you for tuning in and I hope your day is so money. Money.